Welcome to Season 2 of Voices from the Land, a special podcast series produced by the Legacy Hope Foundation. In this podcast series, we'll hear about Indigenous language revitalization projects and efforts to preserve and promote Indigenous languages across Turtle Island. Join us as we learn more about how Indigenous languages are helping Indigenous peoples connect, know, and remember the voices from the land. Hello and welcome to this podcast on Indigenous Languages. Voices from the Land is an Indigenous language podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Its goal is to capture more perspectives and voices on languages, Indigenous language revitalization. We are seeking to capture a range of perspectives to better reflect on many people engaged in Indigenous language revitalization. Our aim is that by listening to teachers, adult learners, and parents or guardians of children in language classes or whose children have taken language classes, we can gain more insight into what the challenges and the barriers are, as well as the solutions and and positives that are out there. In turn, we hope this will form a larger discussion on how to support Indigenous language revitalization. In this episode, our guest is Bonnie Hill, she is a teacher of the United Language from the United Nation of the Thames in Ontario. Hello and welcome to this language podcast. Glad you can join us today, Bonnie. Yeah, Sigoli, thank you for asking me to be here today. Maybe you can start by talking a bit about your background, like your, your nation or your community, and a little bit about your family background and how long you've been teaching. Sure. So Sugali Swagweg, Galoluks ni Yungets, Otayuni ni Wagi Daloda, Onyadaaga ni Wagahunjod. So my name is Bonnie Hill, and I am from the Wolf Clan, and my nation is Oneida Nation of the Thames. And I've been an Oneida language teacher for, I'm going on my eighth year now, and I teach for the Thames Valley District School Board. And Thames Valley is the public school system that our children from Oneida attend. Once we get off of our, off the reserve, we need to go to a public school system. So we, the students attend for grades seven and eight in high school in this school board system here. Oneida is located about 25 minutes southwest of London, Ontario. And so for my, for my students, they get Oneida language for about 40 minutes a day, and that's every day. And I have about 50 students I teach currently. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, whether it's an immersion uh, class or not. So it's, it's not totally immersion, I guess. Eh? Uh, so uh, No, it's not a- not an immersion class. It's what we, they call in Ontario for the education system. They call it um, native as a second language. So what happens in the school board system when for grades four to eight, when children start taking a French language, if there's a high concentration of say Oneida children, they open that school up to hire an Oneida language teacher to teach those students specifically. So I teach only Oneida students and 
um, that's where they get the 40 minutes every day because that's that's equivalent to what they get for French in Ontario. Talk a little bit about the format that you teach and uh, maybe describe in more detail, like what do you, how do you go about teaching your, uh, uh, your language, like the United language? Like, let's say, okay, describe to us as much detail as you can on what you do, like on a, on, in your in your classroom, what how do you go about teaching? Like, what, tell us the process that you go through. Okay, so um, what I have developed and what I find is we the more repetition, the more likely students will hold on to something. So retention retention is a huge issue for native language. So what I developed in my class is something I call five, three, and one. The five starts out with everyday questions, everything we, everyday things we can talk about. For instance, what is the day? What's the, the number date? What is the month? What's the weather like? And what is the season? So that's where I get the five from. And then the three is a little bit more personal, personal preference questions, I call them for the students. So on Monday, um, I might get them to ask each other their name and then they have to all respond to it. And then we go around the whole, everyone has to ask and respond in the whole classroom. And then the next we might ask, um, how is it going? So then they can respond. And then another one might be, um, what's your age? So that's where I get the three from. So those would be the three questions for that day. And there's three different questions for per day of the week. So in the end of the week, we have asked each other at least 15 things about each other. And then the one, because I said five, three, and one, is more like, I guess, like an emotional question. I call it emotional, but sometimes it's not always an emotional thing. Um, it might be something like, are you tired today? Or are you happy today? Or are you sad? Or are you mad? So and I use emojis to kind of like help the kids frame what we're asking each other. Because I try to use a little bit, as the least amount of English as I can. So I use a lot of pictures with them. So that, that takes up like half of our class right there. And then for the other half, I do more like topic-themed vocabulary. So depending on what's going on in the season, I try to follow the seasons and the moons to um, guide our our thinking and to guide our learning. So, and I also use what's called the root, the root word method. And because I'm not a fluent speaker, that's the way I learned it. So that's how I try to teach my students how to, how to understand the words and how to take them apart. Because if you see our, our words in Oneida language, especially they're, they're probably like about 12 characters long but in that word is actually like a whole description of, of a verb and who's doing it and even when it happens. So it's more like a sentence. So having a root, the root word method helps students to be able to identify more, more things quicker, I find, because they can talk about who it is we're talking about, um, break down a word, talk about who it is, what's happening and when it happened. So that's 
kind of like really quickly, that's kind of how I format my, my classroom teaching. And I find it's, it's fairly effective. And the students know exactly what's, what's to come and what our routine is. And they're getting so good at it that sometimes I can just say, John, can you start the routine questions? And then boom, then it's going around the whole classroom. So what is I'm the age range? Okay. What is the age range of your students? Um, so grade seven and eight, they're about between 12 and probably just turning 14 by the time they leave. Right. So after grades seven and eight, do they move on to another level of uh, learning the language? Yeah, so then they'll go to into London to go to high school, and there's Saunders and Beale that have that offer Oneida language as well. Does the range, the age range, different in terms of how you teach your students? Like uh, you, you mentioned the root word method. Is that method also used at a higher level and a lower level of the, the students? Um, I know for sure at the higher level, it's definitely taught. And actually I'm involved with what, we have a curriculum writing team for um, Oneida language right now because, and probably a lot of other nations will find this too, that our fluent speakers are elderly and the people that are teaching now are second language learners, such as myself. So we really need to concentrate on um, teacher training and, you know, what, what a language teacher really needs to know to be able to teach. So I find with the second language learners, such as myself, that is the way we were taught the root word method. So I'm assuming more of the teachers will be teaching this way. And the curriculum that we're writing is focusing around the root word method too. Okay. Uh, you're uh, a teacher. Did you uh, take a course to become a, a language teacher? And, and if so, describe your experience going through that process and getting ready to become a language teacher. Um, no, I, I did like a mainstream, it's called the Ontario College of Teachers. So I did a, a mainstream education course and got certified as an Ontario qualified teacher. And then it was after that, I, I found that there was such a need for language teachers. So I started taking courses where I could feel more confident in teaching and talking in our language. And a lot of the work had to be done on my own time or um, on summers and stuff like that because there's not really no space for native language development as a teacher because the, the, uh, the Ontario government kind of mandates what our professional development is and usually it's math or sometimes it might be English language stuff, but it's, and so as a language teacher, you have to just be more motivated to do all that stuff on your own and find your own resources and people to help you along the way. I guess my next question is kind of related to that. Uh, in your teaching experience, uh, what are the biggest obstacles for your students to succeed? What are the biggest obstacles you find for your students 
in learning the, their indigenous language? Mm -hmm. I would say the number one thing right now is their ability to retain it. So it's not really mm -hmm. about their ability, but it's about creating uh, spaces that we use it, that we use the native language in, in creating real life experiences. Like we just in general need more places where the kids can talk, talk to other people and to try it out. And what I find is when they do have real life situations where they need to prepare and need to practice and they flourish and they remember those things. But when there's when it's more like artificial in a classroom, I find it just kind of does it doesn't stay with them for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. Do they have opportunities like to 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 speak at the, uh, outside the classroom? Do you find that they do or or not? I I would say no, and then especially with COVID, like it's you know right. it's affected everyone, right? In every 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 space, and even my. Because sometimes we could get a, a fluent speaker in just to help mentor me. So just check up on my pronunciation and just different things like that. And because of COVID, we weren't allowed to do that anymore. So hopefully that, that will change soon. But yeah. I also, um, I created um, this Facebook challenge for our, not just our community, because there's also... Oneida language in Wisconsin, which is in the United States, and there's Oneida language um, speaking people in New York as well. So I created, um, it's called the Ongwehowe Challenge. So what it is, is speaking our language challenge. Um, so every day in February, we created, my friend and I, her name's Carolyn, we created little challenges just to get people to to actually speak it. So they would have to create a little video of themselves, maybe introducing themselves or talking about their pets or talking about their favorite foods. And they would post it. And we actually got prizes from donated from community members just to give them some incentive and just to make it a little bit more, I guess, more engaging or more challenging. But um, there's about 260 members right now and I'm pretty happy with the participation. And I find people are looking for spaces like this and safe spaces or brave spaces, whatever you want to call them. But we just need those spaces to be able to, to talk and to engage and to even listen to other people. Because I know my someone close to me, I won't mention any names, but he's he's been affected by residential school and he it's really hard for him to find comfort in speaking in our language but when so i got him involved with the language challenge and he's listening to all these videos and all these posts being played and it was about 2 weeks into it and he says i can hear those words now even when i'm not on social media or when i'm not watching he's hearing you know neon gets which is my name or Nathayezayats, um, what's your name? Like he's hearing all these things now, and they're getting into his, into his self, so into his brain now. So, <laughs> I think it's working. What what we're trying to do here. Well, awesome. What would you say uh, is a big challenge for the school that you're in, in helping students become successful? What what challenges is the school having? Are there any barriers, I'm, obstacles? 
I would say having the regular classroom teachers or the, the, the teachers outside of the Oneida language classroom, I guess participating in some way or making our language validated or giving it value, I think that would be really helpful, but I don't see it anywhere yet. Maybe that'll be my next challenge for myself. <laughs> but that would be really nice to see it backed up with the regular classroom teachers. Right. Okay. What about the community? Your community, uh, maybe uh, talk about some of the challenges your community is having in the school, in, in Indian language, in the language school. Maybe uh, some, some places may have have difficult like some communities may have difficulty in funding keeping the program going uh, on a long-term basis and or sometimes they have barriers in terms of uh, finding uh, the proper space and teachers what are some of the what and for your community what are some of the uh, the barriers uh, you're facing in the in, in, in your for your school I think one thing is um, well, time time is a challenge for us, right? Because right now we have, there's about 35 fluent speakers left right now for in our specific community. And we lost two just within the last seven days. So uh, definitely time is against us. And funding, I know it's like short term and we always have to write proposals and, you know, kind of like, it's, and it needs to be something that's long-term because it took a long time for us to lose the language. It's gonna take us a while to, get, to gain it back. So, and I know the way government funding works is it's just like year to year. And by the time you find out, you have like nine months to kind of like, to get the project going and, you know, and it just seems like it just gets going and then, okay, we have to find another way to keep it going next. So, Funding always seems to be too short term, I would say. And then just the level of, I think, comfort in, for community members, there's, I can see that, like, especially in this Facebook challenge that we created, that's um, a high, we have a high percentage that, that aren't really participating. So I'm assuming it's people not being comfortable to speak it yet. Right. Hopefully that will change soon. Is it a challenge? Yeah, but I know, you know the kids, the kids love it. Yeah, like they, yeah. 40 minutes is not enough for them. They say, why can't we stay here longer? Wow. And I, so that's, you know, like they're, they're awesome. They're great. You know, that they have the energy and they have, they seem to understand what we've lost and, and how it was lost and how we need to gain it back. So, you know, like, it's so just, it's again, time, right? It's time is the challenge here. Right. What was what would you say is is going well, or is a key factor in the success of your program? Definitely, just the level of interest from the students, and just kind of like what I what I talked about. They know, like they have that sense of it's kind of on their shoulders now that and how much we've lost because of residential schools and and then the intergenerational effects from that and. How the generations have changed and now i think it's finally at a point where our students are not our students but the generation is saying okay you know what 
teach me what I need to know and I'm going to learn it now. So I think that's a huge success. And I think that's something that I, I really want to keep working with and, and keep that ball rolling strong with these guys because I'm, I'm really happy with their commitment to learning and um, everything. They're just like sponges, you know, they're like, tell me what I need to know and I'm going to know it. What is the key factor in your community's efforts how involved is your community in terms of uh, making this successful? I know we've, um, we have a an adult, I guess it's sort of immersion. We, we modeled it after, it's called Ongawana Ganjokwa, and it's an adult Im immersion class in Six Nations, but they teach Mohawk there. And Mohawk and Oneida are very similar. So, um, Oneida has that curriculum and it was translated in from Mohawk into Oneida. And I think there's just some things that need to be worked out with teaching strategies because so whatever they're doing in Six Nations, they're producing speakers. Let's just put it that way. It's very successful. And we've yet to reach that level of speakership coming out of uh, an immersion program. So... I say we're on the right track, and as long as we keep moving in that right direction, um, I hope you know that we have some speakers that are produced from this the same programming. Okay. A couple more questions. Are there like uh, do you have uh, like uh, an adult learning uh, language program such as what you're teaching in the school? Do you have one in uh, in the community? For adults? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one I just mentioned. We have the curriculum from the Six Nations program, immersion program, and it's called Ongawana Ganjokwa. And we have this the curriculum translated into Oneida, and it's just getting those those teaching strategies, I think, so that we can teach the adults in a more, I guess, more efficient way and get them really talking and producing our language now. So, and because of COVID, that's, it's kind of shut that down for a while, I find. And just because they wanted to protect our fluent speakers. Right. So yeah. that I have to take kind of like a, a pause for now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been, you say it's been successful? It's, it's getting there, I think. And I think maybe just, you know, working out a few, a few more things and getting the instructors more, more teaching strategies, more more ways of getting their participants to talk now. Right. Because again, like, that's always seems to be the barriers that the participants reluctant. aren't always producing as much as they should be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're reluctant yeah. to speak. I guess. Exactly. Afraid. Yeah. Afraid to fail. And yeah, we've heard mm -hmm. that yeah. before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, do they use the root word method? Yes, yeah, that's where that came from. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. All right, is there anything else you'd like to add or share to improve Indigenous languages, like resources or tools that, you know, that you would recommend? Well, things I, I would like to see is that anyone that wants to become a language teacher shouldn't, it shouldn't be so much work, <laughs> I find, you know, like, it shouldn't be 
our regular day's work and then it shouldn't be on top of it, but it should all kind of be together. And that would be nice because like regular classroom teachers get tons of PD, professional development for math or say English language even. And I don't know that it would just be nice for us to have that same kind of level of support and guidance and I guess just the the, the amount of resources and tools that, that you say too, that gets pumped into math and English speaking resources, we need to do the same thing for our native languages. Right. I am, You might have messaged this before and I might have missed it, but it's your program, your, your language program where you teach. Is it, I guess, I take it it's not part of the regular school system. Am I correct? It is as far as um, we have Ontario guidelines for um, native languages. So I do follow the, the Ontario curriculum guidelines. <clears throat> it's very broad, but I do follow them. And I've made it over the years, I've made it more, I guess, more specific to what, what I find, what, the, what my students need and what my community needs. And what I found is we need people speaking it and we need people producing it. And, and that's really the way I try to create my, my little program anyway. But as far as like another Oneida language teacher, it might be completely different. So you'll find that from teacher to teacher, it, it will be different. Okay. How many people like, would you say like uh, are, um... Are more people speaking the Oneida language in your community? As like um, uh, as as it as it progressed to become more common to hear it in the community, or, or not quite yet? I think not yet, and I think because we haven't had the adult immersion running long enough. But I'm. It seems like we we're almost at that point before COVID, where there might have been like more more people at least understanding what our language is doing, like through the word, the word method. So it would have been nice to have, because that would have been some of the parents or grandparents of my students, right? So they would have been, what are you doing in school? Oh, I understand that. And then there would have been like a conversation spark just like that, right? So right. it would be nice once we get back to that point. And I think it, it will happen. Yeah. I think, well, I think you're doing, a, you're doing a wonderful job and that you are building language speakers for the future, you know? Because you're you're starting them at a young age, so they got a whole lifetime ahead of them. So uh, congratulations on that, and uh, you know it sounds like you got a successful program. Thank you for yeah. taking the time yeah. to do this with us. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Yeah, one. Yeah. Voices from the Land is a podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Music is provided by David Finkel. For more episodes like this and to learn more about the work we are doing, please visit www.legacyofhope.ca.